want to be free. We want to be free to ride our machines. We just want to be left alone. We want to party. We don't stay inside because of rain. We don't stay at home because it's cold. We don't even like to park our bikes. We ride. This is our biker's lifestyle. Well, here we are with uh, No Shame from Four for the Road. How's it going, man? Good. How are you guys doing? Fantastic. Well, I guess uh, our first question is, uh, why are you mad at Black Dragon? <laughs> I, I am not mad at anybody. I don't, I don't let the oh. internet get me that riled up. <laughs> um, yeah, first question right out the hand, brother. <laughs> hey, you yeah. know, it, it came out today and I was, you know, curious and here we are. Yeah, I could give you guys a little bit of the backstory. Sure. Um, so there was a, a, I can't give you the whole backstory because some of it does bleed into like shit that I'm not going to talk about. But uh, the video that I put out on TikTok there, um, there was a video they put out a few weeks back. Um, well, it was an article that Hollywood from Insane Throttle put out and then Black Dragon put out a video basically just like backing everything up that he was saying, reading the article and kind of doing a commentary on it. And also talking about like why one percenters shouldn't have social media accounts. So um, in that video, they justified some of the actions that they had taken previously by saying that anytime a club member comes onto their show, they like to follow protocol and show respect to the major clubs. And they have contacts and agreements with all those clubs to where they'll go and, uh, talk to their leadership to make sure that that person can represent the club. Well, and then fast forward a couple of weeks and now we're in a situation where they've been catching a lot of flack for interviewing out bad members and things of that nature. And now they take this other stance, which is we interview whoever we want. We don't care what the clubs have to say. If the clubs don't like what's going on, they need to police it themselves, which seems very hypocritical to me. So I made a, a TikTok that kind of like sampled parts of both videos and and showed it side by side and called them out on it. Um, you know, uh, Hollywood, he, he was the first one to respond. He made a, a response video. And, you know, it, it ended up being like a good natured, like back and forth type thing. Like he can talk shit about me. I can talk shit about him. It, it doesn't matter to me. You know, if, if I say something stupid, please call me out on it. You know, if, if you want to just talk shit to me, go ahead. Like, and like I said in the other video, I'm not going to like make it a club thing. Like, 
when I'm on four for the road, I'm representing myself, my opinions. And then I think we, as you know, the, the people contributing to that, when, when we're talking on there, we're not talking for our club. So I would never make it a club issue if you want to talk shit about me. Um, but yeah, Hollywood ended up, uh, making a video in reply. I'm in another video. We kind of went back and forth and then we had a conversation about it. And his stance is that like, you know, I'm not claiming to be a club guy, which he isn't, you know, and, and his thing is he's entertainment and he's news. And, you know, I can see that like, yeah, the things that get people to click are the stupid, shitty, like toxic articles. And, you know, if, if that's going to drive revenue to your page, then fine. So be it. Um, and we just, we kind of left it at that, you know, he's got his opinions. I have my opinions and we'll probably never agree on what's best for the culture or what's best for anything. Cause you know, for me, I, I personally love the motorcycle community. I love the motorcycle club culture. And that's why I do what I do because I want to see it get better and I want to see it grow. So anytime that I see something that detracts from that, I'm going to take a little bit of offense to it because I care so much about it. Um, with that situation, um, Black Dragon ended up putting something on a YouTube video that he had. And I don't watch his channel unless somebody like points something out to me on it. But I was in the, the grocery store yesterday, just shopping around for, for stuff for dinner. And my phone starts going off. I am getting text messages. I'm getting phone calls. I guess one of my brothers found it. He posted it to some other people in the club. And I started getting phone calls like, hey, did Black Dragon do something to you or is, is everything okay? Like, I, was like I, I don't know. I made a funny video about him. Like, yeah, he's talking shit. You want me to take it? I was like, no, no, <laughs> like, leave it alone. We're not going to like escalate it. Uh, please just let it, let it go. And then I'm going to like, just have fun with it. Cause now I know I got under his skin and that's like the best thing for him. Dude, if, if, if I can take five minutes of my time, make a funny ass video, point out a little bit of truth in it. And you're going to get like your panties in a bunch then I'm just going to have a fucking field day with your emotions. And that's, you know, that's the campaign that I've currently decided to undertake. Well, the reason why I ask is because <clears throat> we used to uh, do things with Black Dragon in Hollywood. And uh, I'm going to talk for Tank here for a second. Uh, we stopped doing it because of me. Um, the shit that went down with Hollywood uh, a couple months ago, I, I just couldn't. I couldn't stand behind, you know, you know what I mean? And, uh, you know, podcasting is podcasting, social media, social media, but at the exact same time, when you're starting to fuck with other people and their clubs, that's where I draw the line. You know, it's like, I get it that there's certain dudes that go on YouTube and whatever, and they're like trying to do shit for a living. I respect the hustle, but when you're fucking over other people for views and clicks, that's where I fucking say, dude, I can't fuck with you anymore, man. Cause like me and tank do this shit for, for fun. You know what I mean? We're not trying to be famous. We're not trying to fucking make a whole lot of money or any money at all. I was going to say, we've made money. You got to give made up a goddamn brother. dime. Thank yeah. You. I, yeah. I mean, I'm spending $20 on Amazon for microphones and shit, you know, but you know what, when it comes to black dragon, I, I, I do respect the man. But at the same time, it seems like he puts his social media presence and his channel above his club sometimes. Well, you know what I mean? He's retired at this point in time, so he's kind of dancing the line. Right. And I, and I get what he's trying to do, and I don't, you know, disrespect the man. But, 
like, you know, it always surprises me how much he'll say on social media. And it's like, dude, if you were in a real club or like a club at all, you wouldn't be saying that. And I'm not saying that, you know, the black Sabbath isn't a real club. What I'm saying is I think he's, I think he's taking extra liberties to benefit himself. And that sometimes bothers the hell out of me because I, when it comes to this podcast, I will never fucking sacrifice one ounce of our club for this podcast. Like I've told tank before, I will burn this fucking podcast at the goddamn ground. If it ever fucking does anything against our club. And and we're all on the same page and in our, in our uh, endeavor as well. And and it's, it's known, you know, club comes first and then, you know, we, we try to represent the community in the best way that we can. And that's the, the reason I can give Hollywood a pass is that he's no longer involved in clubs and he doesn't complain. To, uh, he doesn't, he doesn't pretend to be. Whereas Black Dragon kind of, like you said, he, he touts his channel up on the back of his club. And, you know, there's a lot I could say about him, but I'm not going to because I do have respect for that club. You know, that, that club and my club have, have pretty close relationships. Um, you know, that there's a lot of people that are OGs in my club that got their start in his club, you know? Um, well, but, but I, I guess what being, I was getting at. Yeah, go ahead. Is, well, here's what I'm saying. And I, I understand what he's trying to do. And it actually, I respect it. Like he was like trying to do the whole protocol thing. I'm not, well, since we are audio and video, you can tell that I'm not a black dude. So I don't understand the whole black set, but he was trying to, preach protocol and he i i actually do feel like he's trying to help his community his his set if you will by trying to teach them how to do it the right way and i get it but there's certain things that he says and talks about where i'm like dude man i i know from where i am in the world that you're kind of crossing some lines here and there and uh it's like man you know I think you're doing it to benefit yourself. And that's not right when you're in a club, because when you're in a club, you're no longer an individual. You're a president or you're a national president or you're whatever, or you're just a regular fucking member. You're wearing I mean, the colors, you, man. Yeah. You were no longer individuals. Yeah. We're part of something. You know, I always represent my club, regardless of how I'm flying a patch or on social media. I'm always because we wear the shit 24 seven for crying out loud. <laughs> yeah. No, you're, you're absolutely right. And it's like, that's one of the things that, that I, I try to do, you know, and, and it's difficult for us at four for the road because we all feel that way mm-hmm. that, you know, when, when people ask like, what's your opinion on this specific event? Like, I'm not going to talk about it. Yeah. I'm not because like it, it involves another club and what they're doing. And that's just respect for the community, you know? And then that's where my issue lies with him specifically is that like, you've been in the game for how long? Like I expect more from somebody like that, you know, and especially like you brought up the, the black motorcycle community, you know, it's different than, than the white side or, you know, the, the whatever you want to say. Um, Cause you know, it, it started in a different way when, when all these clubs started, when my club got started, when, when uh, uh, you know, anybody in that, that California era, like right around like the late sixties, early seventies, you couldn't go into a motorcycle dealership, a Harley dealership as a black man and purchase a Harley. You know, like that, that was the reality of the times when a lot of these old clubs got their start, like, like East Bay Dragons, things like that. Like 
that you got to think that was a Harley only club and they couldn't go to a Harley dealership and buy Harleys. Our community evolved in an era where we had to function differently. So protocols are going to change. And that's one thing that you got to be very cautious of and very cognizant of when you're preaching things about protocol, um, you know, specifically and, and rules and how things are supposed to be done is there's no end all be all. You know, there, there's certain things and that are going to transpire across different communities, but the specifics and like the little individual things that are going to be different, you know, versus if you're in Washington or if you're in Florida, if you're in New York or California or in the Midwest, like it's all different. Well, I mean, I was going to say, I mean, MC protocol, it's as it's bandied about on social media amongst the, you know, the rubs and whatnot, it's a generalization. And like you just said, it is situational to where you're at, what region, what type of club you're at. I mean, you know, you can't say that one person's protocol set for that state or that club is going to be the same as what it is in another part of the country. I mean, you know, we're talking about a generalization uh, here. Um, and if I just want to weigh in about, about the whole uh, <clears throat> Black Dragon and, and Hollywood, the difference between us as podcasters and those guys as podcasters, the fact that they're monetized. And in order for them to be able to keep butts in the seats, as it were, they're going to remain controversial. And so they're going to dance that controversy line. They're going to throw that stuff out there. They're going to play that game, give and take. That's why they find themselves in, in the habit of sometimes having to retract statements that they made and then walk back things and other things that they champion for themselves. You know, I mean, let's face it, you, you, you want to get paid in the social media shit. You either got tits in an ass or you're going to create controversy. And that's really about it. Now, we don't get paid for it. So we're allowed the opportunity to express our opinions and, uh, and with, without having to worry about, you know, affecting what goes into our pocket. So it's a little bit different, but I, I understand exactly what you're saying in terms of uh, blurring the lines sometimes. And I can respect the hustle, man. It's just there there comes a, a space where like there's a righteous way to do it and there's a non-righteous way to do it. And if you, if you want to play the media, like TMZ type line, then go ahead, play it. But, but then don't try and like come back and be something else. You know, don't throw like the MC world in there or your MC experience in there when it's, beneficial to you and then be like well we're just tmz when it's like <laughs> you know when it's not you know like you made your living or your, you set a name for yourself by making books on like how to do this shit properly and you know like when it comes to to my side of the tracks like the black community of clubs like he was the only black guy talking about motorcycles club stuff for a long time there's so many people it's such an influence on the culture and the community only to be like dragged down into like the depths of clickbait bullshit in order to chase a buck and you know it's i guess i'm not gonna knock the hustle it's just disappointing no i hear you man i i know what you're saying and it's you know far too often guys let's be honest it's ego you know, everybody wants to make money. Everybody wants to be somebody, you know, and I get it. And I, like I said, I've, I've actually talked to Dave about this. I like, I don't knock the hustle. You know, if you want to do what you do on social media, then I'm not going to knock it. You know, in fact, 
a little, let's be honest, it's entertaining, but you know, sometimes it, it crosses some lines and guys like, you know, you, me, whoever, we kind of see it, but you know, some of the normies don't see it. And it kind of, like I said, I don't ever want to cause a problem for anybody in the, uh, in the community. I don't want to cause a problem for my club. I don't want to cause a problem for myself, to be honest with you. You know, like we're just doing this shit for entertainment as far as like, hey, this is a peek into the lifestyle. This is a peek into the, you know, biker world. And uh, if you dig it, cool. If not, I get it. But I'm not going to sell out anything, including myself or my club to fucking get a dollar or whatever. You know what I mean? Well, we clearly make no bones about it. I mean, we, we let people know when we have to censor ourselves. And oh, yeah. the, the stories we'd love to tell, the people we'd love to talk to and put on here, we can't. You know, we just yeah. can't. <laughs> I've always said that if we could fucking just drop all the fucking bullshit and just fucking put everything out that we fucking do, Damn. we'd be like one of the hottest things on the fucking internet. Probably, but yeah. We so I, ha- I had a, a movie idea, or not a movie, like a... You guys, you guys watch that show Love is Blind on Netflix? No. no. So basically premise of it, they got like all these dudes and chicks that they put them in these pods opposite each other they can't see each other but they talk and they have to like form this connection and try and like get married at the end of this whole thing um but i was like talking to dave and uh punk rock about it i was like what if we did like love is blind mc edition and we put all these different like national leadership of different clubs they don't know what club they're in they don't know anything can't even see pictures of each other you put them in like a chat room like just kind of basically what we do on four for the road and they got to talk to each other. They got to write two articles about the club or the culture every day or every week. And then once a week they get on and record a podcast. And then at the end of like eight weeks, they find out like what the club affiliations are. Whoa. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> Cause I mean, that's like the cool thing about what we do, like what four for the road does, what bikers lifestyle podcast does. And there's, you know, there's a slew of other people out there and they might be from clubs that we may not necessarily get along with or you know somebody else might not get along with them but you get to see that pretty much everybody in this life that's doing it the right way is the same yeah we all pretty much like the same shit and a majority of the bullshit is just that it's bullshit Mm -hmm. you know that it's it's crazy because like i understand how there's relationships that can never be fixed. I personally understand how there's relationships that can never be fixed, but it is also crazy to me because through what I do with this, there's people that I don't necessarily think I'll ever enjoy their presence or to like share a beer with. And I've seen what they've said about certain subjects. And I'm like, fuck dude, like I feel the same way. I think the same way as you do. And well, I mean, yeah. we, like it was like episode number five. We had a guy on here named Shaggy, and uh, not he's that in another club. Yeah, another no, shag. not <laughs> yeah, whatever. Not not Shaggy one percenter, but fucking Shaggy, fucking dude we know. And he used to say like every club goes through the exact same fucking shit. They just don't fucking know it. Like every problem that every club has is the same fucking problem that every club has. You know whether it's this that and the other thing like every club has the same problem every club has the same shit going on we're all the same thing you know but like you said i mean yeah there's certain relationships that can't be mended and i get it you know but it is what it is but 
fuck all that bullshit. Let me ask you a personal question. What got you into the lifestyle? Well, Sons of Anarchy. Absolutely. Me too. <laughs> no, actually, to, to tell you the truth, um, in, in 2011, I think it was, um, Sons of Anarchy was pretty hot back then. And like, uh, I was a young soldier in the army and me and my buddies, like really liked the show. We liked riding motorcycles and shit. And then we, uh, we were like, let's start a club. And this, this, this Sergeant first class in our, in our unit, he overheard us talking about it one day and he comes up behind us and he goes, hands, uh, hands us this card. And he says, come here on Saturday. And we're like, no, nah, what the hell? And so we, we ended up going out there and it's his motorcycle club's clubhouse. And he's like, look, you're not going to start a club. I'm like, what do you mean? It's going to be like, cool. We're going to sell guns and shit. And he's like, no, it's not how any of this fucking works. Like he's totally schooled us to the whole thing, you know? And um, I'm glad he fucking did. Cause I would have been one of those fucking douchebags. that's just like running around like an asshole. Um, but yeah, so I, you know, put that to the side, you know, got a good piece of education, you know, from somebody who legitimately was just like, okay, cool. These people don't know what the fuck they're talking about. Let me introduce them to the life, show them what like an actual motorcycle club does and tell them why this isn't going to happen the way they think it's going to happen. Awesome. I appreciate the fuck out of that. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, I was, uh, on a deployment and two of the guys that were in my tent, they were prospecting for the club I'm currently in chosen few. Um, and you know their their time had gotten paused so they could go on this deployment um but the entire time they're talking they're like oh, oh we're gonna get like you know they're, they're trying to upgrade their bikes you know because you're you got all that deployment money coming in so they're trying to figure out what they're gonna buy when they get back and all this stuff um and it was like it was you know just so i knew what they were going through kind of in a small aspect and then we got back um they you know we didn't really hang out too much after that because you know obviously they're going through the prospecting phase so they're real busy um you know and at that time i'm just riding my bike around just enjoying being on a motorcycle well i got into a wreck and totaled my bike uh it was a sport bike and i called my buddy who was one of the guys prospecting for a chosen few he had uh he he's been a full patch by now already and uh he was, uh, I don't know if you guys are familiar with how the army runs, like being in a motorcycle or having a motorcycle, but you have what's called a motorcycle mentor for every unit. And they have to like yeah. teach you how to like not be a dickhead and like wear the right clothes and shit. Uh, so he happened to be the motorcycle mentor for my unit. And I wrecked the bike, called him and I was like, dude, I like, don't want to, I don't even have my endorsement right now. Like, I don't want anybody to fucking know. Cause I would have been like in a lot of trouble. He comes and picks me up brings two of his club brothers with him because they got a ramp in their car to put in the back of his truck we loaded up and everything and that was like my first experience getting into like seeing anybody from my club um it was like a few weeks later i ended up going to the harley dealership and bought a harley because i knew i had to have a harley and you know it was just like i was like all right well fuck it like they didn't invite me to come hang out with them but like might as well start checking some of these blocks off so i went and bought a bought myself a street bob um started riding it around and I was with my girlfriend at the time heading to a wedding where it was like one of her, her best friend was getting married or some shit. We had plans to go there forever. And my buddy tank calls me up and he says, uh, he says, Hey, 
we got a, a barbecue going on with the club. You should come by. And I was, looked at my girlfriend. I was like, hey, I, I'm going to go to this thing instead of this wedding. And she wasn't too happy about it, but I went anyways. Showed up and uh, it was like the first party experience I had. And, you know, I just, uh, I fell in love with like the atmosphere and, you know, the, the way that everybody interacted with each other, the, uh, the family aspect of it, uh, the brotherhood piece of it, you know, all the, all the cliche things that everybody likes to talk about. Those are the things that I, that I saw there. And, uh, you know, that really started my process off. I think that was like 2015 when that happened. Mm -hmm. So about, yeah, four years after my initial education, finally found something that really spoke to me and that I wanted to be a part of. And my journey started there. Well, I mean, me and Tank actually started the exact same time, 2015. Yeah. Actually, uh, yeah. yeah. I mean, for me, like what got me into the lifestyle was just uh, the people that were in it. You know, like you mentioned Sons of Anarchy and I understand it's a joke, but I never really gave a flying fuck about motorcycle clubs back in the day. You know, I always kind of thought they were kind of bullshit, you know, but at the same time, I didn't know any better. And then uh, I started hanging around the club that I'm with now and they seem like good dudes. So I figured, fuck it, you know, let's fucking give it a shot. And I was on a sport bike myself and I had just recently bought a Harley because I'm too old for fucking sport bikes and, you know, I'm brittle and uh, yeah, your rest is history. Um, so let me ask you this, what made you, uh, want to be part of the whole podcast world? Um, so professor blade was on, um, over at sucker free MC for a long mm -hmm. time. Shit. Probably like 10 years, something like that. Mm -hmm. It had been mm -hmm. a long time to be on there. And, uh, I messaged them. <laughs> it's kind of funny. I messaged the show one time and I said, uh, Hey, do, can you guys, you know, I like you guys content. Can you recommend any podcasts to listen to? And fucking Dave told me I should listen to Insane Throttle, that, that fucking piece of shit. <laughs> no, I'm just fucking with you. Um, but yeah, so that, I mean, that was my first interaction, like messaging them. And then, uh, you know, I was going through some stuff in my MC journey at the time where um, I had started traveling outside of Washington State. Washington State is very much like a fishbowl in the motorcycle club world, like it's not the same as everywhere else. And I'm sure there's like these little pockets around the country that are like that, where like, this is how it is here and only here. Mm -hmm. um, Washington State is very much like that. And I started putting a lot of miles on and just going all across the country and like, you know, hang out with people from all different clubs and starting to realize like some of the shit we do is like not the way it's done everywhere else. And like, there's more to this than really meets the eye. And it just inspired me to start writing. So I would send in uh, guest articles and whatnot and uh, we were down at nationals one year and Blade approached me and he said, you know, like, I think you should come on staff for the page. I was like, what does that even mean? Like, do I have to like, like, what do I got to do? Yeah, yeah. And he gave me the whole rundown. Like, you know, we, we try to do a couple articles a week. Yeah, yeah. And that was before there was ever a podcast. Um, so it was probably about a year that I was writing for Sucker Free MC. And then uh, Punk Rock came on staff. And he was really like, why don't we do a podcast? Like kind of pushing that thing. There was a preach used to always make this stuff up about how he would get like death threats. And like, if people knew what your face looked like or knew your real name that you, you would get murdered in the streets. So he was like really against having a podcast on sucker free. 
So um, punk rock drifter and uh, Dave, they kind of branched off and did their own thing and they called it three for the road. Um, brought one of the other writers on and they called it four for the road. And then there was like this whole thing where preach called us all racist and we left. And then everybody just went to that four for the road platform. And then we were like, fuck it. We'll do the articles here. So that's, that's how it started. Um, I wasn't really super involved in the podcast probably up until like the last few months is when I started getting like heavily involved in it um, for like more of the production standpoint, like, you know, getting the audio to where I didn't have to like, cause I just got pissed off listening to it in my truck and I'd have to like turn the volume from like 17 to like 34. And then like somebody else would talk and blow my eardrums out. And I had to like, so I was like, the production quality could be better. Let me fucking help out with that. And I just started really digging into it. And now I, I think I'm like pretty much on almost every episode. And if I'm not on it, I'm editing it in the background. Well, it's kind of funny when we, uh, when we started off, uh, your podcast at that point in time was in that, hey, we're, we're trying to figure out our audio face portion of things. And that was, uh, we kind of talked about it like, well, we just don't want it to sound like that. <laughs> <laughs> I do not blame you. <laughs> and that was like the, the principal goal, you know, and we probably had mixing boards and trying all it sorts of shit. still sounded like know? fuck. Yeah, sometimes it does. Sometimes it doesn't. It depends, you know. Well, I mean, we're all just trying to fucking figure this shit out you know i mean well i don't have 800 dollars for a microphone so <laughs> right no i dude this is 20 dollars on fucking amazon yeah, 20 um <laughs> something like that that's what but, i paid for mine so <laughs> so as far as four for the road goes where do you uh where do you guys see it going like where would you like it to go i think we're we're almost Pretty much there i mean i don't i don't know that anybody really wants anything more than than to reach a bigger audience but at the same time like can we we hit on it earlier none of us are willing to sacrifice too much to get that bigger audience uh this year we we broke into video it was always only audio um so we're exploring that seeing if that brings us more stuff um we've got into tiktok this year um, everybody else has the password and email address, but nobody else will log on. So that's really kind of just me talking shit about people on TikTok. So if you want like real toxic biker shit and go there, um, every, <laughs> everything that we have kind of has its own personality. Um, and we like, I, I like it, you know, um, but we, we've talked about, we had a one sponsorship last year um with like gator harley or something like that yeah gator harley and they they paid shout us out gator harley shout out gator harley they're not paying me for that one but fuck it Welcome. um they they paid us you know i think like two grand or something to run like Jeez. 10 ads for them yeah it, they wanted to give us more so like the money's out there they wanted to give us more but we were like we feel like like shitty taking more and we, all we did with that was buy the subscriptions for the year and try to get everybody microphones which i don't even know if we had enough to do that but now all the subscription fees are coming back again. I keep getting emails. So I'm like, fuck, dude, like we can, I mean, we pay it out of our pockets, but some of this shit's expensive, dude. So we we've tossed around the idea of like running like some of the, you know, the, the generic ad campaigns. Like if you go on anchor, you can like record something and they'll just throw it in your episode. Yep. It, it's a balance of trying to find like, how do we get more exposure how do we increase production quality without taking money out of our own pockets? 
And then how do we like maintain the righteousness and not selling out to like get views? Um, and I think everybody is on that same page of like, there's no amount of bullshit or there's no amount of money that we could get for this that would justify putting bullshit content out there. So I think if you were to talk about one main goal, you know, continue to dig into the history and provide as much historical content to text to the life as we can, and to continue to put out good opinion pieces that aren't influenced by, you know, greed or shittiness. Well, you know, that's why I appreciate guys like uh, Four for the Road. And uh, you guys keep it real. You know, you guys uh, don't do the clickbait shit, you know. I mean, like you said, I respect the hustle. I mean, I get it. You know, if you're if you're trying to make a living being on YouTube or whatever, I get it. And I'm not dogging you. But at the exact same time, there's something to be said about people who are fucking genuine and just fucking do this shit for the love of doing this shit. So what kind uh, of bike do you ride, dude? Right now, I have an insurance claim for my dream bike which was stolen and it was a 2021 road glide limited road glide guy yeah i'm a road glide guy um well dave's a road glide guy so i gotta give him shit i'm I'm trying to convince everybody to go that way we got we got punk rock from a dyna onto a road glide we're getting everybody on road glides man but uh geezer glides forever (laughs) so we uh I, i was on a road glide um I'm going to take this opportunity to throw a diss out to Geico. If you have Geico, Geico, they fucking suck major dick. And <laughs> I would, I would highly encourage you to choose a different insurance company, but uh, I've acquired another bike. I got a, a 13 street glide. Um, and I'm waiting because I'm, I'm a, about to move. And once the move happens, I'm moving out of state. Once mm-hmm. I get settled in and everything, I got some plans for that motherfucker. I'm a, I'm a FXR the front of it, and it's it's gonna be a, a pretty bad bitch when I'm done with her. Nice. So I got one more question. I'm kind of curious, and I'll let Tank ask the question. But so obviously you're on social media. Obviously you're doing podcasts. Is it strange to you to see like one percenters putting a whole bunch of stuff out there? that you wouldn't think they would put out there, but they do. You know what I'm saying? Like in our world, mine and tanks world, the guys that are in our area don't even put their patches out there. Like they'll black out everything. If they post something on social media, like patches, the whole shebang, but we'll see other guys that are in one percenter clubs that everything's a, an open book. Is that strange to you? Or is that sort of a common practice out by you? It's when you're in, in a club like mine to where you're like coast to coast and, you know, South to North, like there's different etiquettes and different ways of doing things like we talked about earlier in all different parts of the country. So part of expansion and growth is kind of working through those growing pains and figuring out what works for everybody. Um, and then kind of like getting some of the, the policies down solid. So like, there is a fine line, um, but everybody also has like their own perspective on it. Like I have no delusions that like the cops know who I am, you know, even though 
I'm not like actively involved in committing crimes and whatnot. You know, it's just, it's the nature of the beast. They know um, who we are. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's like, I don't, I don't think that they've found anything about me on Facebook. Um, I, it, I think it's a safer policy to just say no social media. Um, but it's, you're able to do it and still kind of like maintain a little bit of discretion. Like, you know, it's no secret what club I'm in, you know, um, I'm sure people know my name and things of that nature, but there's things that you can do to kind of protect yourself, I guess, you know, so if, if the worry is like somebody finding my address and like coming and hunting me down, like, okay, you know, if I've taken measures to make sure that doesn't happen, then, you know, if, if you do get here, then like, I mean, there's, there's some surprises waiting for you, but like, so yeah, I do, I do think it's safer to say no social media, but I don't think it's realistic. I think there's, there's way too many, it's just too prevalent. Like, I don't know, how would, how would you do it? You would just find everybody that had a social media account or kick them out of the club or, you know, whatever, you know, obviously there's people that, that get it done. Um, right. There's also this thing of like, like you brought up, like putting things out that shouldn't be out there. So like, okay, debatable whether or not you, your patch should be online debatable whether or not your face should be attached to your patch okay got it you know we'll leave that up to club discretion but there are certain things that like shouldn't go on there like mm-hmm. i think um you know like certain ceremonies like like turning somebody from a prospect into a full patch you know i, I would i would think that the, those would have a little bit more you know of a sacred kind of lore to them um somebody quitting a club stripping somebody's patch if that like I, I see videos of that on the internet and it's like that seems stupid to me like that's that's a crime like why would you post a video of you committing a crime that seems dumb um yeah like there, there's shit that's like that happens from time to time that shouldn't be on you know why give somebody an opportunity to highlight the bullshit you know when it's like every fucking day there's thousands and thousands of one percenters that don't do shit wrong. They just they go to work, they get in their fucking vehicle, they come back home, they sit down, they have dinner with their families, and they go to bed. And maybe 50 times a year across the entire nation, you get something that's newsworthy out of all those thousands of people, all those hundreds of days. So why represent yourself poorly when there's in general not like it's not a negative thing. Like, why would you want people to think that you're a fucking piece of shit when, when we're not, when we're just normal fucking dudes? Oh yeah, absolutely. I've always said that, you know, motorcycle club members are, are just regular fucking people that decide to do something that's extraordinary. You know, as far as like, we take on a, we take on a responsibility to one another. Everything else is bullshit. You know, like I'm not special to anybody that's not an MC, but at the same time, I'm an MC. So I have certain responsibilities and certain loyalties that the average person doesn't have. And if you get it, you get it. If you don't, you don't. And it doesn't really fucking matter to me. But no, I was just kind of curious because the whole social media in our world is uh, relatively new. You know what I mean? Like, like this whole thing where motorcycle club members are talking we just lost you yeah no i'm here are kind of uh you know this whole thing about us being online is sort of new to us 
in our area because we sort of always kept everything quiet, kept everything private. And we always saw people on each coast talking about stuff. You know, I mean, obviously the guys out in California have been in Hollywood forever and yada, yada, yada. And then the guys on the East coast start talking and now the guys in the Midwest are starting to talk. And uh, the one thing I've uh, noticed is uh, we're all kind of the same. We're all just kind of the same dudes doing the same shit, but. That's, that's one thing that I kind of try to remind people, especially like, you know, when people get in those fishbowl mentalities, those echo chamber type things, like, you know, as I was telling punk rock the other day, we were talking about a certain club that we, you know, we have some associations with. And I was like, yeah, dude, those guys, they really think they're like, their shit doesn't stink. But then like, when you really start to get to know some of their people and like, start to hear like some of their frustrations, it's like they go through the same shit everybody else goes through, you know, and it's like, you know, even when you get to like the difference between a 1% club and a non 1% club, like there's, I know guys that are in clubs that aren't 1% clubs, aren't even outlaw clubs. And they, their dedication to their patch, their organization and their brothers is like so astronomically high. So it's like, how different are we really? You know, not, not very, you know, maybe minor differences here and there, but I think in this community, everybody has way more in common than they have differences. And I think that's where like the social media effect on the MC world versus like the regular civilian world is exactly the opposite. Cause I think for what us, what it's doing is kind of bringing people together and making people realize like, Oh, we're all the fucking same to whereas, you know, it's so polarizing when you go into the civilian sector. True, true. Now I got, I got a question for you from a podcasting standpoint of view. There's a lot of them. I mean, just several people that are in this game that aren't in a club and they're trying to convince the world that they're a one percenter without being in a one percent club. They were born one percenters. They're not in a club anymore, but they still have the mentality of a one percenter. So it makes them a one percenter. Um, what, what do you think about that? Without naming names. No, I got you. I So I, here's my opinion on this. And like, obviously we, we touched on it on our podcast a few episodes back and I made the last it. One. Was it the last one? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we, I think, well, we recorded all those three and then, then released them all at the same time, I think. Um, Cause that was like the same group where we released yours. I, I believe, I don't know. We got, I get them all mixed up, but anyways, it's, we, it's we the know. last one. Check it out. Yeah. <laughs> last, last, last podcast from four for the road. Um, but anyways, I, I made a TikTok about it and took like a short snippet, which didn't really capture the entirety of the conversation. Um, Cause how could you in three minutes? But I think the important part to realize when thinking about this conversation is what does being a one percenter, how is that defined to you? You know, what are the criteria and really think about that? Like, okay, some, like there's this huge, everybody thinks that like, not everybody, there was an overwhelming number of people that commented on that saying like, oh, you live outside the law. Oh, you, you've committed crime for your club. Oh, you've done this. You've done that. I don't think it has anything to do with criminality. Um, I think it has everything to do with a certain level of dedication and a certain level of maturity, knowledge, and balance to your club. And, you know, there's people that they've gone into a club, they had all the attributes that would make them successful in being a one percenter. And they went to a club, they learned about that club, they prospected for that club, they gained their patch. And then through whatever that club's 
criteria are they earn their 1% diamond. And I think that 1% diamond is on lease, just like the rest of your patches are, you know, you're paying rent for that patch. You don't own it. The club owns it. And that patch, although it's just a patch and everybody wants to throw the, well, doesn't the man make the patch the patch doesn't make the man. Yes, you're absolutely right. And I said that in the video, I didn't put a 1% or I didn't put any diamond on and also all of a sudden get a, a stats multiplier. It didn't make me tougher. It didn't make me more resistant to bullets. It didn't make me ride faster. None of that shit. It's a representation of what my brothers and what my club think that I can live up to. And if I don't live up to that, they can take that from me at any time. I don't think that there's any 1% club out there where they couldn't strip you of your diamond if they wanted to. And it's not that they're stripping you of who you are as a man. They're saying at this point, we no longer believe that you're living up to the standards of what our organization defines as what a one percenter is. And I think one of those standards is your dedication and ability to be able to balance all the things in life that encompass being a one percenter. And if you can no longer balance those things, if the life just isn't for you, then you obviously failed at that endeavor. And that doesn't mean that you're less tough. It doesn't mean that you take anybody else's shit. It doesn't mean any of these things, but it means that at the club portion of it, you were lacking just a little bit. And is that title the only thing that defines you? Do you need that title to make yourself feel like a man? And if you're saying that you're born with it and that it's something that has nothing to do with a club, then why can't somebody in the Rough Riders who's a complete badass put a 1% diamond on? Because if they did that and they came to you and said, I feel it in my heart, you'd call them a joke. But there are people in that club that is a nationwide club that would kick the shit out of different one percenters and that are more dedicated to that club than one certain one percenters are to their club. So do they not have what it takes? Like, were they not born with it? What's the difference? Like, yeah, you're born with certain attributes and you're born with certain abilities. Some of the things you learn over time and that's all good and great. You're a stand-up fucking dude. You're, you're an awesome husband. You're an awesome father. You're an awesome brother. But until you go into the world that created the moniker of one percenter, you're not a one percenter. Like, but why does that matter? Like, why does that title matter so much? Like, I tell people all the time, because my diamond does not have the word one percenter, mm-hmm. you know, and, and we don't allow 1% to be worn in my club. Because if you look at the history of how our diamond came about, we were going against what 1%ers wanted at the time. We were, it was, a, it was a complete challenge to anybody that, you know, that wanted us to not have a diamond. And we just said, you know, fuck it. We're, you know, we're not going to give you any shit, but we're not going to take any shit from you either. So people use that uneducated people use that to say, oh, you're not a one percenter. Man, I don't give a fuck. I don't really care if you think I am or if you think I'm not. And you'll notice that I never say like, I'm no shame one percenter. Like I never say that because it doesn't matter to me. I'm who I am. My club is who my club is. Plenty of people have tried to test our salt and we're still here and we're still doing our thing. So if you think that calling somebody one percenter or not calling somebody one percenter makes a difference, it doesn't. You think getting out of a club and losing the title makes you less of a man than how much of a man were you before you joined the club anyways? No, I completely understand. And I think that most people put 
they put too much uh, emphasis on who they are and not what they're about. You know, I mean, if you're who you are and you're about what you're about, then people already know you don't have to say it. Um, so I kind of spoke about your last podcast and I got to I got to weigh in on a subject. And uh, yeah, go for it. Uh, here we go. So the whole uh, what's a traditional MC? And uh, I heard you guys talk about it and you heard you guys talk about like, you know, when people say they are, they really aren't and all that jazz. I myself have called our club a traditional MC. And I'll be honest with you, the only reason I do it is to kind of just, I don't know, shut people up or to just kind of gloss over the fact because they ask, well, what kind of MC are you? And it's like, dude, you know how complex of a fucking question that is? Like, <laughs> it's going to take me 15 minutes to explain who we are and what we're about. And you're probably not going to fucking understand it because your only fucking real experience with an MC is what you saw on the fucking internet or on TV. So it's not going to make any goddamn sense to you. So I go, oh, we're just a regular traditional MC, you know, blah, blah, blah. We have a president and yeah, vice president and officers and shit. But so let me ask you this. What do you consider a traditional MC? As far as like, if you were to say, describe me a traditional MC, what would you call a traditional MC? Is it a one percenter? Is it a, uh, is it just a club that has patches? What is it to you? So I don't really necessarily have a problem with somebody using the term. So like, if you were going to say we're a traditional MC, it has an understood meaning, you know, it's, it's, it might be a buzzword. It might be like the hot thing to say now, like, you know, or within the last 50 years, who knows how long people have been saying traditional MC before I came around and probably long after I'm gone, we'll be saying that. Um, and I, I think that if you were to nail down like a hard line definition, what does somebody consider the criteria for an MC now? I mean, you have motorcycles, you follow protocol. And I, I would I really just have to leave it at that. Like you, you, you have motorcycles, you follow protocol, you have a general uh, structure to your organization and you respect, contribute to, and, and are a steward of the community, you know, anything further, it's like, fuck dude, how did, like we talked about earlier protocols different in all sorts of places. So what might be a traditional MC where you're at might not be a traditional MC in Colorado or fucking New Mexico or anything like New York, who the fuck knows? Like there, there might be some people who think that it means no women are allowed in the club. I think that's like pretty broad stroke. I think most people would probably say that, but I don't think it applies everywhere. You know, there's so much that goes into it. I think that where I have a problem with the term is when people try and like use it to detract from like, oh, you're not a traditional MC. Okay. Like cite your source. Like where the fuck is that defined? Like show me in history where this does not follow tradition. Cause like, I mean, there's some clubs that go back fucking 50, 70, 90 years that don't follow or fall into line with what people would currently consider a traditional MC. Right on. Follow-up question. What do you think about people that are uh, air quotes, bikers or motorcycle enthusiasts that aren't in MCs? Do you think lesser of them or do you just think they're just regular people and they deserve the same amount of respect if they were or were not in an MC? Uh, there's regular people. And my, my, that was my dad dude. And, and my dad puts more miles on his bike than most of the people I know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, that's how I grew up is just around people that love to be on motorcycles and 
spent an exorbitant amount of time on motorcycles, but never were really exposed to or had a desire to be in a club. And the only time I think it's corny is when they like try and do stuff to make themselves look like a club. But like, even my dad did that before. So like, you know, I can call my dad corny and make fun of him, but nobody else can. Uh, But yeah, it's like, to me, that's like the only part where it's like, all right, that's a little weird, but I don't really give a fuck. I think, you know, ride your bike, do what you want to do. Be as courteous to everybody as you would expect for them to be to you and earn everybody's respect on your own merit. You know, I, I would never disrespect somebody for not being in a club that seems a little arrogant and obnoxious to me. No, I completely understand. Um, because we get that question all the time, you know, oh, do you go to be in an MC to be a real biker? It's like, no, dude, just be yourself, man. I mean, we don't hold any bones against anybody if they're in an MC or not an MC. If you ride your motorcycle, if you do your thing, that's cool to me. It's cool to most people that I know. You know, I mean, like you said, I mean, we know guys that have, you know, have more have more miles backing into curbs than most people have going down the fucking road, and they've never been an MC, you know. And I think a lot of people put a lot of stock into MC members. It's like, dude, it's it's just two totally different worlds. I mean, motorcycle clubs, it's about brotherhood, it's about being there for one another. And if you want to be a solo dude, if you want to be a air quotes lone wolf, then be that. You know, I mean, there's nothing wrong with it. You know, in fact, I tell people, man, sometimes those guys have more fun than us guys in MCs. You know, they got a certain level of freedom that can't be replaced. But so I guess my final question is this. Who's your favorite guy that's on four for the road? Who's the guy on the podcast that you identify with the most? Oh, those are two different questions. Because mm-hmm. uh, my favorite guy is, is, is Drifter. He's like the purest, like just happiest to be in the community that I've ever met in my life. Whenever I hear him talk about something he's truly passionate about, I'm just like, man, like we're lucky to have this motherfucker speaking to the world because I mean, the, the shit that he puts out, you can just tell he has a genuine love for it and he lives it every fucking day. Um, when it comes to the people that I relate to the most, um, I think it'd be probably, probably punk rock and Dave, you know, we're all like around the same age. We've got like similar things. We like argue and talk shit to each other on the side all the time. Like, so those, those are like my buddies that I'm always talking to. Um, but man, it's, it's, everybody's like just so fucking badass over there. I mean, you got silent with a just like wealth of fucking knowledge, like truest, like to the form, like if you were to, fucking write down all the qualities that make somebody a one percenter and then like mold everybody after him you you could never go wrong like truest form of a one percenter i've ever met in my life blade super educated super well read patient but like also violent uh you have road dirt who's got just like amazing insights on everything he puts out there uh then you got mac who's just like solid fucking dude hilarious like just willing to do anything for his club again chop who's fucking been out of the mc life for so long but just you can tell he's got like super huge love for it fuck man i don't think i'm forgetting i think i hit everybody if 
I missed one. I'm, I'm, what about sorry. Dave? Dave, Dave's a fuck. Dave's a fuck. Dave's a fuck. Whoa, dude. Dave's my homie, man. Don't act like you didn't know he was a fuck though. I love the guy, but I love the guy, man. He's, he's just the greatest guy ever. He's such a dad. You know what I mean? I'm, every time I see him, I'm always surprised he doesn't have like New Balance shoes on. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. No, like, I know exactly family, what you mean. Man. <laughs> Do you remember that fucking time where he fucking uh, got his helmet stolen? Yeah. Oh, it went with his brand new Lexan on there. Oh, I know. It was just such a bummer. You know, I almost started a GoFundMe account for him. Shit, I feel like Lexan should have sponsored him. They'd be sending Logan rides shit on fucking TikTok all the time. Mm-hmm. They bought your shit. Yeah. And you won't even send them a free one. That's fucked up. Yeah. Come on, Lexan. Up, Lexan. I'm talking to Logan after this. I'm going to see if we can get Dave free Lexan. Yeah, let's fucking, let's do that. Right after this podcast, everybody jump on fucking Lexan social media and be like, fucking give Dave of Four for the Road a free fucking Lexan because he deserves it. Yeah, we'll make a hashtag for it. All right. Hashtag give Dave a free Lexan. Yeah. Hashtag Four for the Road. That's it right there. Hashtag there you give go. Dave free Lexan. There you go. There you go. Tank, you got anything? I don't hashtag. You don't hashtag? I'm old, dude. Come on. I'm going to be 60 this year. So I don't know how hashtags work. I just play with them I, once. I don't either. You know, I don't, I don't twatter. I don't do any of that shit. The last time I was on their podcast, I was trying to get, uh, trying to get Fleshlight to sponsor us. Well, that would Roman. be a good one, wouldn't it? You know, I mean, yep. Fleshlight and Roman, you know, I know they're listening, you know, fucking Fleshlight. Boy. Hashtag give dirty a flashlight. Exactly. He needs it. Well, how about we get Rotella in there too? We'll get some free oil, make it worth our while, you know? Oil, flashlight, it doesn't matter. Hey, since we're talking about um, sponsorships, can I can I plug my new book? Please. Please. Yeah, so uh, Four for the Road, we don't have a website anymore because we weren't using it. So why pay for it? Right. <laughs> um, but all of our merchandise is available on blacksalesupply.com. That's... Uh, punk rock side venture but then he also hosts and supports like four for the road merchandise as well and i think right now he's giving like 50 percent of all profits are being donated to like kids that need bicycles or some shit for christmas we're starting the campaign early but uh, i came out with this book um it's really just to help the community out and uh i just wanted to promote it it's called the prospects torah oh. and it's a guide to prospecting for a law-breaking motorcycle club and it's written by no name from four for the road so if you guys go check it out on Black Sail Supply, the Prospects okay. Torah, nothing to do with the Prospects Bible written by uh, some Puff the Magic Dragon or some shit like sure, that. Sure, 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 sure. <laughs> I heard it's the mecca of the motorcycle community. It is. That, that <laughs> yeah. The, yeah. Yeah. Well, no, I think it's a beautiful thing. I think more people need to write books and put them on Amazon. So about That's halfway true. through mine. I was going to write a book, how to be a functional alcoholic in a motorcycle club. That's uh, that'd be a good read. You have a good audience for it. Well, I have most experience with it. So, I mean, I think most people would enjoy it, but uh, yeah, I just, I haven't done it yet because uh, well, you know, alcoholic. <laughs> Procrastinating. Mine's, mine's, mine's about my road to sobriety. So there you go. It's, it's both spectrums here on the bikers lifestyle podcast we give both sides of the story you should release it's important to get both sides of the story like a duality type book release right exactly because from what i understand if you're going to be on social media you got to have you got to get both sides of the story you should exactly or don't i don't give a fuck (laughs) (laughs) do do what you want man i mean 
That's the whole thing. There's, all, there's do more whatever, than whatever enough the hell internet. You want. Yeah. Yeah, there's more than enough internet for all of us to yeah. not having to muddy it up with people getting butt hurt. But I'm still going to talk shit. I just want everybody to know that I will well, that, not get better. I am not going to That's be your nature. Yeah, that's me. That's your nature, man. Don't change. You know, dirty is just like really sarcastic, you know? Well, it's all in good fun, man. I learned uh, dirty is like my my twin from the Midwest. We, we did yeah. all the same shit on the last podcast. He he makes fun of Dave the same way I do. Oh, yeah. Well, Dave no, brings I... it on himself. <laughs> exactly. I mean, fucking, you know, here's the thing, man. Me and Dave have fucking known each other for a minute now. And, like, we just like to have fun. Like, we don't take ourselves seriously. We don't fucking, you know, act like we're something we're not. And, you know, that's how we sort of bonded back in the day. And we still carry it on. Like, we go riding every once in a while. We like to go fast and have a few drinky poos and soda pops or whatever. And, you know, everything else is just gravy. You know, we're in this shit to have fun, not to be somebody. Fuck yeah. Did you see Punk Rock's new tattoo? I did not. He got Fuck Dave tattooed across his thigh. Oh shit, I did see that. Yeah, okay. Yeah, <laughs> I couldn't make out what it said, but I saw him pull his pants down. Yeah, so I mean, if you can't fucking have fun talking shit to each other, nah, I don't know. Your life must suck. Dude, I was supposed to fucking meet up with fucking Punk Rock in Florida. We were all down there, mm-hmm. and he texted me, and we were at a fucking strip club over right off of fucking... Uh, the interstate shout out to stilettos by the way silhouettes uh, silhouettes was it silhouettes Silhouettes, fucking three sheets to the wind but uh yeah he's like oh down at fucking froggies i'm like dude we're at a strip club off the interstate man i'll be down there in a little bit and by the time we got down there he had already left so sorry dude you know i mean if you're gonna put us all together in daytona chances are we're gonna find a strip club i mean i can't blame you Dude, it's you know there was a there was a lady there that beat us up with her boobs, like thunder thunder tits. Yeah, jeez, I saw dude, stars, man. Jesus, dude, it was brutal. It was like the fucking UFC of fucking strippers, man. Yeah, I'm gonna try to make it down there next year. I got a got a new job that I started, so my time's a little funky right now. But yeah, I want to get down to Daytona next year. Right on, man. Right on, man. Well, shit, you're in uh, the West Coast, so you ever do like uh, Born Free or anything like that? No, I'm not like a big rally guy. I think most of the time, the only rally I've really ridden to any distance is um, the biker roundup, national mm. biker roundup. Rode to that yeah. when it was in Missouri. Um, but as luck would have it, there was a storm that blew through and it got flooded out. So the entire thing got canceled. Um, yeah, I always tell myself I'm going to go to Sturgis and then I end up doing something else. But yeah, I just I like to ride to where there's like no destination you know, hit up a random clubhouse when they're not having a party and just, you know, get some quality brother time in. That's more my speed, but I'm, I'm going to make an effort to try and do the rally thing a little bit more. Dude, I hear you, man. Fucking, uh, I was on a fucking, my first rally was Daytona this year. Otherwise I, I'm not a big rally guy. I don't need to get fucking 20 dudes fucking, hey, you know, hell yeah, brother and me, you know what I mean? Like, I don't have anything that has rhinestones on it. I've seen oh, my, my pair of share of affliction clothing mm. line, let me tell you. <laughs> God damn. Uh, anyway, well, thanks a lot for coming on, man. We really do appreciate it. Uh, we should make this more of a regular thing with the guys from Four for the Road, and probably we're going to collaborate with anybody. It should be them. Oh, yeah. Man, I, mean, I appreciate you guys having me on. You know, we 
really like what you guys do. It's uh, it's a lot like what we do um, as far as, you know, just keeping it righteous and, and spreading a good word for the community. So thanks for what you guys do. And thanks for having me on. Well, thanks hey, a man. lot. Thanks for coming on. Definitely. And uh, if you made it up till this point in time and hopefully six or seven of you have uh, like, comment, subscribe, wouldn't kill you to do it. I mean, it's just clicking a button for fuck's sake. That's all you got to do. So like, comment, subscribe, send this shit around. We'll, uh, we'll be seeing y'all here real soon. Remember the most uh, dangerous part in your motorcycle is the nut that connects the seat to the handlebars. Peace. <laughs>